One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Those temperatures for today of uh, 8 to 11 degrees Celsius, it looks like we are going to be warmer than the French Riviera by the weekend. And the reason for it is we have a front coming up from Africa mixed with a, a Mediterranean weather and that's going to deliver exceptionally mild weather for this time of the year. And we're expecting temperatures across Ireland to between 13 and 15 degrees as we head into the weekend and that on Thursday and Friday will put us on par with the French Riviera. <laughs> Actually it will only put us a couple of degrees off what the weather is going to be like in Cairo in Egypt. So it's very unusual for us uh, for this time of the year. Met Aaron a warning that while we are set to bask in these milder conditions, uh, the weather will initially remain changeable. We can expect some heavy showers today and again on Wednesday, Monday and Tuesday we'll see the most changeable of the conditions. They say rain again expected on Wednesday but it's Wednesday when the temperatures start to rise that's when they'll go between 13 and 15 degrees and it should remain the same for the back end of the week and into the weekend so we will take it and we will certainly enjoy it. As we welcome you along to the programme on this Monday John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. If you were listening at 8.15 to Simon this morning, you will have known that he gave you our first artist for our cash tracks competition. This is the competition. Officially gets underway today. We start to give away the money. We €5,000 to give away. First, uh, €500 will be given away at some stage today. The superstar of the day for today is the wonderful Queen. At some stage Stage today, you will hear two tracks from Queen played back to back. When you hear the second song being played, you need to get dialing 1850-333-103 and caller 50 will win the €500 Euro for today. And then we'll do it all over again tomorrow, 8.15 again. Simon will give us a new uh, artist, superstar of the day. Uh, make a note of that and then stay listening. That's the C103 Cash Tracks with Cavanus, the new name for Ford in Mallow. For new and used car sales, visit com. So it is Queen we are listening out for today. Uh, commiserations to Demi Isaac from Mallow, who has certainly done us all so proud in Dancing with the Stars. And it was it was tough to see her so emotional and so upset last night when it was announced that she was the one going home. It was the first dance-off and uh, unfortunately what she did, her very best. And she got her highest score 
last night in Dancing with the Stars and I thought she looked wonderful and I thought she danced beautifully and I really thought she had done enough but unfortunately she didn't and she went up against the uh, comedian Fred uh, who Fred Cook who was also the, both of them funny enough were bottom two after the judges then the public vote opened and they ended up bottom two again and they had the dance off and even though Fred Cook had a bit of a stumble in the dance the judges decided that no Fred was slightly better than our Demi so it was our Demi had to go home and as I say it was just heartbreaking uh, to see her but she, we can everyone can be so so proud of her and the fantastic example that she has set for young females and as she said herself she wanted to she wanted to dance to celebrate her dad and she certainly did that the night that she did the dance dance with my father but she also said she wanted to be a good example for kids and she wanted to be a good example for young black girls and I think she's done more than that and the one thing now she can do is it is midterm obviously she goes to Davis College in, in Mallow and they're off uh, this week it's her leaving cert year she would have been I take it she would have been doing her pre-exams last week as well. So she can relax, take the week, I suppose, to to get over the disappointment and then just get back and focus on on between now and June and get stuck into the study and get stuck into the books and um, please God, she'll get a, a really good leaving cert. But it isn't the last we've seen of Demi Isaac. It might be the last we've seen on her with Dancing in the Stars, but she certainly, I think, has a very glittering career ahead of her because we've seen her in The Young Offenders. We know what a fine young actress she is. So well done Debbie. We're all very proud of you and I know John Paul she's caught up I know certainly today doing stuff with RTE because there's always the day after there's a lot of interviews to be done so uh, please God we'll have her in studio one day this week and have a longer chat uh, with her. Now coming up on the programme today. We're going to get reaction to funding for Cork County Council in the latest Rural Development Fund allocation. This is a great big pot of money for rural development. I think it's a billion in total has been set aside for rural development and it's over like a 10 year period and every year various groups who work in rural areas and needless to say all of the councils submit suggestions to this fund of why they want the money and what they would do with the money. And Cork County Council put in the highest number of proposals for this round of funding. So obviously they were getting very excited as to how many of their fo- their projects would be selected and would receive money. So last week the it was announced from the department that 62 million euro was going to be handed out in this round of funding. So you know, you could just imagine Cork County Council going down through all the list of all the names of all the different groups that were going to get funding to see how much they were, they were going to get. But very disappointing for Cork County. Only two million has been allocated out of the 62 million. And we have what, you know, 10% of the population live in rural County Cork. So you would have thought that a bulk of more than two million of the money. Now, it's not to say that we won't get money in future when they hand out future rounds, but it's just disappointing, certainly for this round. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that and we'll look at some of the projects that are going to receive money. There was some good news, but just not enough good news for County Cork. Why is car... We're going to hear from one local TD who feels that car insurance should be falling because we have safer roads. We have toughened up um, 
lorry drivers. We've toughened up on drink driving. There certainly is stricter enforcement of it and the whole idea behind it, we were always told it was never revenue generation. That was never going to be the reason why there was going to be stricter enforcement. But it was to make our roads safer. And obviously if our roads are safer, there's less accidents. And if there's less accidents, there's less claims being paid out. The knock-on should be, we should be paying less for our car insurance. Now, Suddenly in the last year, I think people have noticed a small drop in the premiums, but they're still quite high relative to what we were paying, you know, a number of years ago. Younger drivers certainly are complaining. Their car insurance premiums really do seem to be creeping up. Now, I don't know if we're back to, remember at one stage, the, the... somebody, a young person trying to get car insurance would pay more on car insurance than what the actual car was worth and it was a ridiculous situation and things did get a bit better but certainly in in recent times young people are noticing that their car insurance premium is going up and nothing seems to be reducing it. So this local TD is asking the question well if our roads are safer why are we not seeing a lower car insurance. So let us know if you have a car insurance story. Have you noticed your car insurance? What did you pay last year? Have you had a recent premium in? What are you paying this year? Have you a young driver in the house? Are you a young driver? What are you paying on your car insurance at the moment? Have you noticed any kind of a decrease in the premium? After 11, we will speak with a mother from Mallow who will be joining us from Cork University Hospital. She'll be joining us because that's where she's almost set up home, God love her, for the last month because her teenage son is a patient in CUH and he's a patient in CUH due to a very large pressure sore that needs to be operated on. And the reason he has this pressure sore is because the wheelchair he's been using, it's a power wheelchair, he has outgrown it and obviously you know a young lad you get the wheelchair and at what age we'll find out more from the mum as to when he actually got his power chair and how many years he's had it and you know all kids grow it just seems crazy that if somebody needs a new wheelchair which makes him independent and gets him from A to B it seems crazy that he's expected to wait and the knock on with him having to wait is he gets this large pressure sore that gets so bad he's no other choice but has to go to hospital. He's been in hospital now for nearly a month. He gets operated on this week. He'll have to remain in hospital following the surgery. And how much is all of that costing? You add all of that up and you think the HSC would probably have bought a couple of these chairs that he need, he need that this young lad needs. And it's one of those stories that you kind of think, I never knew that there was a waiting list for something like that. And the waiting list is not because the chair can't be delivered. The waiting list is because the HSC say the funding isn't available. You would imagine, for there isn't that many of those chairs are needed, that there should never be a waiting time. If somebody needs that type of chair to keep them independent and to keep them comfortable and to keep them safe. You would think as soon as the the child starts to outgrow one chair, then the process is put in place, you know, because obviously those chairs are made, I'm assuming they're moulded specially for the young person so that it fits, so that you don't end up with pressure sores and a pressure sore like the young lad has now. So you would think as soon as you start to outgrow it, they put the process in place so that it's ready the minute you're okay you're out of that chair let's pop you into this chair 
but that doesn't seem to be the case. So we'll chat with that mum on the programme today. We're also hearing about a suggestion to convert an old building in the town of Clonakilty into a community hub for the arts. We spoke with Bill Power from Mitchellstown last Friday on the programme about their very exciting and ambitious plans to turn the now disused St George's Church to turn that into a community centre for the arts in the Mitchellstown area was something similar is being proposed and it's spoken about in Clonakilty. So we'll chat about that on the programme uh, today. Actually talking to Clonakilty, I was in uh, Clonakilty at the weekend, spent a lovely weekend down in Inchidani and it was my first trip to Inchidani for this year. And there's just something about being by the sea and walking on the beach. It's just good for the soul, isn't it? it? I don't know what it is. It just always, always come away feeling absolutely and totally refreshed. And even though, you know, it wasn't, we, we didn't have the 15 degrees that we're expecting later on at the, at the end of this weekend. But, you know, once you're wrapped up warm and that bracing wind as, as you're walking along, it's, it's great. And whenever I'm down in Inchidani or at any beach I'm always keeping a lookout for plastic I'm always keeping a lookout for rubbish and I have to say the beach was exceptionally clean I saw little bits of rubbish now alright just as you were as you were walking down to get on to the beach but it was also great to see people I actually saw a couple of uh, well it was two two separate women I saw actually picking up little bits of plastic that they'd seen on the beach and I thought you know well done and of course if we all do our bit like that it's just if you all just if everybody helps out if you do see a little bit of rubbish like that lying around or a bit of plastic that gets washed in from the sea just pick it up and and bring it home with you and and dispose of it but it was certainly great to be down in Inchidani and lots of people out walking on the beach and using the beach what a fantastic facility uh, we have and uh, and beaches are great just if you're anywhere near a beach get out and get out and go uh, for a walk Uh, we'll also chat with the mum who's contacted us this is kind of a tie into the nurses were on strike and thankfully they're off the picket line and hopefully that has all got sorted I know the nurses still have to vote on the deal that's on the table but fingers crossed they'll all agree uh, to it but then on Friday the paramedics were on a strike as well and it's prompted one mother to contact us about an incident that she had where you're in need of the emergency services, you're in need of a hospital. That moment when something happens, when something goes wrong with a small, a little one Um, a young little baby when something goes wrong and suddenly you need to make that call dial 999 and you know for most of us you who's never had to use that service you, you don't really think about it until it actually happens and then you take a look at the service and you're watching it in close quarters and when it works, it works so well. And she just put pen to paper and, and sent us a really good email to the point that I said, no, we've got to talk to this mother. She'll be able to t- talk us through it better than I'll be able to read her email. So she's agreed to join us. I think it's after 12 on the programme today. And of course, in the final hour is Monday. So Annalise Dressel from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic will be here answering all of your nutritional questions. This is the Court Today replay on C103. 
Now, last week, the Minister for Rural Development, Michael Ring, announced 66 projects which will be allocated funding of 62 million euro under the 1 billion euro Rural Regeneration and Development Fund. The total for Cork County is just over 2 million euro. But Cork County Council's allocation is only valued at 276,000 euro, expressing his disappointment. The Mayor of the County of Cork, Councillor Patrick Gerard Murphy. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, leaving out the Quilta Mountain Biking Trails, because there's um, six projects in Cork are to get funding, um, of which two are under the remit of Cork County Council, from what I could see, the Ballydesmond Village and the Digital Hub Strategy. Why so little for Cork? I don't know, Patricia. We're aghast that we had a development committee meeting on Friday just happened to coincide with the announcement and uh, we discussed it at the development committee and the, the whole chamber was, was aghast really to be honest with you, you know. Um, uh, 2.1 million for a county the size of Cork with such rural population um, um, is, 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 I can't understand it. And it, it's not the case that you didn't submit um, applications because no. you certainly did. 38 applications were submitted in total to a value of about 33,000, 33 million, sorry, um, so no, we worked very, very diligently. Um, and okay, when I came came mayor back in June, myself and Councillor McFinn in the city met, and we, we we met with all the political leaders in in, in Cork, um, looking for a stimulus package. If you might remember that at the time, yeah, I do. Um, and they basically said that they wouldn't give us a stimulus pa- package, but they directed us towards the urban generation fund and the rural development fund as well. And that's where we would get our stimulus package through. Um, so we're we're very disappointed. Very disappointed, and it, it kind of it, it, what confuses me even more is it, it kind of um, it's a total odds for national po- national policy. Uh, Cork has been singled out as the second region in the country yeah. um, to, for 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 growth. Uh, even after the boundary extension, Cork County Council will still be the second lar- largest local authority in in Ireland with about three hundred twenty plus thousand population, and we're being targeted under the uh, national planning framework. To, Ireland 2040 to grow by another 102,000. So going up to a population of about 430 or 40,000 again. So you think when you set down policy like that, um, you think you'd back it with investment in to make sure that you can achieve those targets and put you in a position where you would be able to deliver on those targets. So it, it confuses me how I, you know, policy is saying one thing, but then the funding streams don't match, match it or back it up. And while, okay, you... The council put in applications, 48 applications were submitted and, and I'm assuming you didn't expect all of them to get funding. But was, was is there some in particular that you, you can't understand or fathom why you didn't get the funding for it? Like we're, we're, we're delighted with the innovation hub because I think that's something, some strategy we want to develop where we're going to build enterprise units in various different towns and villages in the county so that we can actually stimulate and, 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 and regrow the rural uh, economy in those towns. But there was some wonderful um, kind of tourism projects like um, the boardwalk in Yall. There was um, music venue for Bantry, pontoons and skull, um, and a number of other projects that we thought were getting a good hearing. You know, that's the mood music we were hearing from the department. But lo and behold, it didn't happen. You know, um, uh, we had some significant projects in there as well to, I suppose. Uh, Regenerate our, our 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 rural towns and villages, uh, putting in better streetscape. Uh, that was also really 
Reef Road in Cantork, Bantry, um, Bandon. So, you know, um, there was a lot of good quality products in there, which would have, if we had got them, would have stimulated our rural economy. And uh, I suppose following the, the, the loss of all the areas like Danmoyer, Blarney, Tower, Balancholic, Douglas, these are high-income-generating uh, gen- areas which would be gone from the county post-June. And we were trying to, I suppose, rediscover the county, refocus the county to generate uh, our economic uh, activity in more rural areas. Yeah, especially disappointing. And when, when I saw the list on Friday, I was going down through the list of successful projects. County Clare, for some reason, did extremely well. I mean, they got like seven million euro. Uh, they got and and yeah. some of their projects are kind of you know almost like what you're talking about. I mean, you know, one was one was developing a, a visitor and tourist centre at Doolin Pier. There was another div, another visitor centre and designing of a, of a new boat landing point uh, in another part of Clare. It's it's really hard when you see mm. other counties mm. getting the money, isn't it? Like Clare got five and a half million with a population of 118,000. Roscommon got, uh, would you believe it, nearly five million with a population of 64,000. 64, and here we with a population of 417,000 and we get 276,000. It just doesn't make sense right up to me, to be honest with you, you know. Do you also feel allowances should be made on account of the boundary changes that, that you mentioned that priority really should be given to County Cork? Yes, that, that, that's what we for myself mix in met with um, all the political leaders here in Cork. That's, that's what we were trying to, um, trying to you know, encourage them to do is that Cork is going through a fierce transformative stage uh, whereas the biggest change in, in local authority landscape uh, ever 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 attempted in the state where you're having 85,000 population transferring from the county to the city and all the uh, you know the complications that go with that all the changes that go with that and the, the effort that has to go into that it distracts from your day-to-day business a bit so we were hoping that we would get some significant capital investment to us to stimulate our economies both in the city and the county uh, we did quite well under the urban regeneration fund but we were we were gassed at the level of funding under the rural regeneration fund we thought we would at least get 10 percent which would have been about six and a half million uh having 10 percent of the population okay somebody's querying kevin is querying the projects that you submitted and is wondering maybe that the projects that were submitted from other counties had stronger plans than the ones that went in from cork no we we when we when these these funds were announced we put together a fairly strong a very strong uh uh, team to uh, go through all these projects, do the background work on them, and submit them. So no, there were there were good projects, good quality projects. Some of them are shovel ready, which is category one. Some of them are more developmental in nature, which is category two. So we submitted projects to both both category one and category two, which will. And, and very, what very now strong. for those projects, Patrick? They're they're on the shelf at the moment. We're uh. hoping that these. This is a rolling fund, so I, I'm just trying to highlight it now, Patricia, so that. It doesn't happen the next time. Do you know what I'm I know, saying? I know. And we uh, we resolved to write to the minister, to the minister, and to the Taoiseach, and to the and to the uh, our local TDs here in Cork, uh, outlining our, our our disappointment and asking them to ensure that in the next round of funding that we would be prioritising that we get our fair share and even more than our fair share based on the based on the disruption that's going on with the, the boundary change. So we're going to be writing to all the ministers that was agreed at development committee meeting on Friday. Uh, all the sorry, all the TDs in Cork and ministers in Cork and to the Taoiseach and to um, Minister Ring. Okay, so you're, so you're not giving up on the projects, and this is oh a, God, no. this is a ten-year development fund. Let's be honest, and there is a billion to be given out. Right. And yeah. we've there was a first round 
Did we do well in yes, the first round? We, do, we, we did okay. We got about 10% of the allocation. We got 2 million okay. out of 20, 24 million in the first one, 2.1 million for the library in Kinsale, which was very welcomed. Uh, but we only got 10%, which is uh, is, the, is the level of population that we, we have in the country. So, um, But that, uh, but that, that 10% is a lot, a lot more than we got this time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, if it was if it was to be 10%, it'd be 6.6 million, or yeah. 6.2 million, sorry, yeah. But look, we're, 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 I'm just highlighting it so that hopefully whenever the next round happens, and we don't know when that is, that then we'll be looking a lot more favourably on in the next round. So, I just so do you have to it. reapply again then, or do they... No, no. They, all those, all those um, projects are in, are, are in with the department now. They actually, they, we sent in so many projects, actually, they, uh, they, were, they were kind of... Uh, taken aback by the, the volume of projects we submitted, the 48 projects, but they're all there. They're all sitting in, in, in an office in Dublin uh, waiting for uh, funding. Um, okay. And right. we, will, uh, we will be probably adding to that and sitting in more projects as well because it's a rolling thing. So they're all there. Hopefully they'll be they'll get favourable a favourable look in the future the next round yeah OK in the meantime thank you for that and uh, thanks uh, thanks for joining us uh, good morning to you that is the Mayor of Cork County uh, Councillor Patrick Gerard Murphy expressing his disappointment Cork County Council getting two successful projects the Ballydesmond what's Ballydesmond will they will develop a plan to improve service infrastructure foster health and community wellness in the village and then the digital hub that Patrick spoke about. Also, by the way, under Cork, Avondue Blackwater development is to get 122,000. It's for Rathgormach strategy for development. And Ansgrove, this is under the OPW. They sought funding and they've received €375,000. That's a good news story for Ansgrove. It'll, do, it'll complete a development plan for the house and gardens together with funding that'll progress several elements of the plan to planning permission and statutory consent stage. And then Udras Nagueltakta have been given 180000 which will complete an overall Colosh the Isagon campus in Ballyvorney. Uh, and that's it. So it was, and then there was one other where Cork was mentioned. Oh, sorry, IRD Dohalo also received uh, money. This is for Bantir Amenity Project. This was the biggest amount of funding. They got over a million. They got 1.1 million for Bantir Amenity Project. So that certainly is a good news story. And then there was a 10 million allocation, but this went to Quilta. Cork gets a mention mention here along with Limerick, Sligo, Dublin, Wicklow, Offaly and Leash so it'll get divided. It's the flagship national programme will develop international standard mountain biking trails of which Ballyhowra is going to benefit there. Now a call has been made for the government to pave the way for a reduction in motor insurance costs following the introduction in December of the Clancy Amendment to the Road Traffic Act making the call is Cork East Dáil Deputy Kevin O'Keefe uh, who joins me. Good morning to you Kevin. Morning Patricia. Uh, now, uh, Kevin do you believe the roads are now safer because of the Clancy Amendment and that this should be reflected in motor insurance premiums? Is that where you're coming from? deliberations when we were doing the tra- road traffic uh, amendments to the road traffic act um, the talk was made you know, that roads are going to be safer like, you know, and that um, and all this would go towards um, safer driving on the roads and my comment was that uh, recently you know, to take this thing out of it like, you know, as you know there's been fierce adverse publicity to, to this road traffic act and, and, and I would agree with it like, but um, I would just say to the minister um, given what has happened 
can he see a, a reduction in, in motor car insurance for uh, Leonard drivers in particular and, and, and maybe overall as well like you know and the, the answer I got was, was very negative like you know first of all he said there was already legislation in place in regards to um, Leonard drivers not being able to to drive cars and uh, secondly he said like, you know, that, that, that um, it's, it's too early to call like you know but you know, when we were doing the analysis of the road traffic bill that time like you know these issues came up to, into play, like, you know, what's in place afterwards, like, you know. Well, we were constantly being told that this was all about road safety and we certainly were told that it wasn't a revenue-raising operation, even though last week, I only mentioned this, eight cars a day have been uh, impounded since the law uh, came in. So learner drivers are taking a risk. Oh, of course, they'll take a risk, like, you know, and, and, and what I'm trying to say, like, is that the, the Minister even said, like, you know, there was a law... Uh, there is a law actually still in the Road Traffic Act which was covering that as well like you know but to put it in context I've kind of fucked and like you know when things seem to go wrong on our roads we seem to come in with more legislation instead of enforcing the existing legislation and that's the, the, the issue um, myself some, my, some of my female colleagues and, and, and I respect the decision of the independence that's what we were saying the legislation wasn't placed like you know, just enforce what was there like you know yeah but and are you hearing from young people who are driving that their their premiums are going higher instead of lower? Oh, any night you, you, hit, you hit a town and on the weekend night when the young people are out, they're telling you straight up, oh, Kevin, our insurance premiums, even under our parents' names or guardians' names, like, oh, they've seen no reductions whatsoever. Like, And you believe they should be? Of course they should be. Like, you know, obviously, we're hearing about you know, the, the major war enforcement put in place by the Gardaí, being directed from the Phoenix Park and, and the Minister for Transport and the Minister for Justice. But at the same time, you know, we're seeing no positive. And what I, was, what I was hoping to do was take this thing out of the legislation and see, could we have good news for learner drivers and, and for all types of drivers that, that maybe there is going to be a, a, a reduction in car insurance going to the future. And especially, you know, the government, through the Department of Finance, have, have, have set up a, a work study group on, on the insurance premiums throughout all sectors. And I was hoping that this might feed in, but uh, I don't seem to get anywhere with the ministers on it. On it like, you know? but, in, but insurance companies, Kevin, are a commercial matter. I mean, what role can the government play? Or can it play a role in lowering, forcing them to lower premiums? Well, insurance companies feed off of statistics. Insurance companies feed off of claims. Insurance companies obviously use the information that's provided by the government departments in regards to how they calculate the in premiums going forward. Also, like, you know? So there must be some light in the tunnel saying... If, if these laws are, are supposed to be for the good of the, the road safety, that there should be less uh, crashes, less fatalities, less accidents, and in, in, in turn, less claims, so less increase in premiums. Yeah, Margaret and Bandon uh, said, we are in our 70s, obviously yourself and your husband, uh, we have fully comprehensive and open driving. It has uh, actually gone up instead of down. Premium is just in. It's gone up €90 Euro over what we paid last year. By the way, we've no penalty points. We've had no accidents. We've never had any claims. And we're even seeing our premiums rise up by €90. Euro. And that's been uh, reflected across all the age groups, isn't it, Kevin? That's the irony of the whole thing, Patricia. You know, because, um, obviously there was other amendments in the Road Traffic Act put in place last year and to make our roads safer. Uh, so, supposedly, like, you know, and at the same time, insurance companies don't seem to be taking any heed from this. Or else, or else someone has a different uh, line of thought on the whole issue, like. All right, but you got a fairly negative response when you brought it up. When you raise it in the door. Um, I, I, but I, I won't leave it like that, like, you know, because in fairness, like, you know, um, 
if the people are going to be complying with laws, like, you know, that are originally enforced, like, you know, there should be some benefit to all road users at the end of the day, like, you know. Have we a bigger issue, though, just finally, if we're, if we're, if we're going to focus particularly on the learner drivers, haven't we a bigger issue with lengthy waiting lists for drivers to take their tests in order to get full licence so they can drive on their own? I agree, Patricia. I agree, Patricia. And that, that's an issue that, that didn't happen just after the law came into place. Like, that issue was in the airways for the last number of years, like, you know, and the government have been seen to do nothing proper about it in reducing the waiting times for people to go for driving tests, like, and it should have been resolved and, and, and more action taken before uh, the, these laws, rigid laws, were put in place, like. And, not, and, and, and we're going to, I think we're going to get a, a, a further increase in the amount of people applying for their tests because there's so much talk about the learner drivers and because people now are afraid their cars are going to be impounded if they take the risk of driving without a qualified driver. We're going to have more young people deciding I need to apply for my test sooner rather than later. So I think that waiting list is even going to get longer. I would be hoping you know, that anyone that, that, that's within any place has applied for a, a driving test and I know from getting calls from many people who, whose job depends on getting to work because of uh, the distance of the travel like, you know, and the anti Kevin can we get our, our um, test fast track like, you know, otherwise we won't hold, be able to hold our job like, you know. And are you able to help with that? Well I, I'm at the domestic the, the, the road safety authority like, you know, and sometimes I, I could be so successful as, as you've heard in the airways from other people like, you know, but, but at the end of the day like, you know, I suppose it, they have to work to come to the number of applications and the, the priorities in regards to them if there's a demand in Mellor as opposed to the other test centres, like, you know, if there's a queues. Yeah. So what we need is more more um, traffic... Uh, more testers. More testers, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and open them up on Saturday and Sunday. Start doing tests across the weekend. All right, listen, Kevin, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thank you, And uh, thanks for joining us. And that is uh, Corky's Fianna Fáil Deputy Kevin O'Keefe. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A very happy 50th birthday to Hannah Vaughan in Ballydesmond. The message, Hannah, is have a great day. Lots of love to you from your husband, Donal, your sons, Jack and Bobby, Nana, Anne, and all your family and friends in Ballydesmond and a Ballyhike. Enjoy your special day. That's Hannah Vaughan in Ballydesmond. OK, some comments coming in on car insurance, picking up on our chat in the last hour with... Dole Deputy uh, Kevin O'Keefe Kevin making the point with stricter enforcement of road traffic laws and everybody saying the reason that we needed stronger laws stricter enforcement was to make our roads safer Kevin's making the point if our roads are safer why is that being not reflected in our car insurance John reckons that the car insurance companies are a law unto themselves they seem to be able to charge what they want John feels it's a money making cartel and it's the guys at the top who are making all of the money. Well, it was one of the points I put to Kevin. I mean, they are private companies. They are in the business to make money. They're, you know, they're not in the business. They're not charities. They're there to make money. So I suppose they have to make money through the premiums. They'll say that it's not just all about making our roads safer because the accidents that do happen when they end up at the courts, we know there's a problem with the judiciary, with the amount that's paid out for various injuries what we pay out in Ireland is very different for example what's paid out in the United Kingdom or what's paid out across England for you know more minor injuries that happened I'm not talking about you know major incidents traffic uh, that where where somebody has a has a life changing 
injury. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it. Whiplash, for example, is one of the ones that we pay out a lot, a lot more in this country than we do in the United Kingdom. If you broke a leg or broke an arm in a road traffic accident, you'll get a lot more if you go through the courts in Ireland than you will across Europe. And that all has to be paid for by the insurance companies. And, and obviously that gets passed on to all of us by way of premiums. So there's a lot of other reasons why we pay so much for our premiums. But it is very annoying that it doesn't seem to be coming down at all. I would have to agree with Kevin on that. If our roads are safer, then you would assume there are less accidents. And therefore that should be reflected in what we pay every year. And we have to pay it every year. If you want to drive a car, you don't have a choice. It is the law. You must pay it. And uh, Texas says, hi Patricia, the car insurance issue is, in my opinion, a scam here in Ireland and it does need government control of some sort. My husband and I relocated here from overseas. We went through the process of getting our driver's licence, we had to do the test etc. We did all of that. Initially the insurance for our old 2007 car was €2,200 per annum uh, while we were learner drivers despite having driven overseas and we didn't have any claims or anything but when we came back here we had to sit a test and go start all over again as if we were learner drivers. Our premium did go down once we received our full licences but it went down to €1,700 per annum for the two of us. No further decreases since. That's very hard to swallow. So it only went down by €500. God, yeah, you are paying a lot and I'm assuming I don't need to insult your intelligence by saying shop around. I take it you've done all the shopping around but that isn't helping uh, either yeah it is quite galling when you're paying that kind of figure year on year now can we help out a listener here please hi I'm looking everywhere for Eve Rocher's regenerating cream it's in a brown pot they've stopped trading in Ireland and it isn't available on their UK site would anyone out there know if there's any in stock in any store, I want to buy it for a Mother's Day gift thanking you. And I'm assuming this person is willing to travel anywhere across the city or county to get her hands on a jar of Eve Rocher's regenerating cream in a brown pot. So I suppose we're putting the call out to any chemist shops that might stock it or large department stores. Maybe if you were out, you might have been in a large department store yourself and spotted it. Eve Rocher's Regenerating Cream. Or keep a lookout for it. Or if you're listening to us in a chemist shop and you have it in stock, can you let us know so we can pass the details on to this listener so that they can make their mammy very happy on Mother's Day. 1850-333-103 if you can help us with that. And Margaret Infermoy was on to say she noticed what looked like a plane or a large helicopter over the Cork Road area for Moy last night. She was wondering could anybody else spot it and could we find out what the helicopter was all about. John Paul took a look on the flight radar from last night and it looks like it was the rescue helicopter and that rescue helicopter is very large and it also flies very low. It's, you know, it isn't often I would notice the plane going over my house but whenever I hear the sound of a helicopter and I look out nine out of ten times it is the rescue uh, helicopter. And last night it was, it left Waterford, it came out from Waterford, it left Tremor and it flew over from Moy. Don't know where it was going. It was obviously on, it was either on a rescue mission or it could have been training as well. So, Margaret, that's what was going on. That's what you noticed uh, yesterday evening. We've been talking about health and hospitals and delays, and we are going to be talking with a mother 
in this hour who will be joining us from the CUH updating us on how her son is getting on and why her son has been in hospital for the last year well that pro- the last month sorry that prompted Matt in Clonakilty to contact us to say with all the delays that people are talking about with Cork hospitals and we're constantly hearing you know about the accident emergency department our lengthy waiting times for people to get an appointment to get in to see a consultant and then if they do get in to see them there can be delays in waiting to get seen when you get in there you know with too many people being scheduled with the same appointment time well Matt contacted us now this was at about half past ten this morning he rang to share his story he had an appointment to see a consultant at 9am in Mallow Hospital now you obviously from Clonakilty to Mallow it's a bit of a bit of a journey but he you know got the appointment obviously they said to him are you willing to go to Mallow Matt wants to go see the consultant he said yeah I will and um, and often if you're sick enough or you've been waiting long enough you'll go anywhere so anyway Matt said yeah I'll take that appointment please so he said he left Clonakilty bright and early 6.45 this morning he was underway so that he to be in time to get to Mallow Hospital and God help you Matt you were against all the rush hour traffic and everything but anyway he gets to Mallow arrives to the hospital, meets with the doctor, has his appointment and he rang us at half ten to say, just to let you know, that's what happened to me this morning. And by the way, I'm back in Clonakilty. It was a 130 mile round trip, but he wants to say well done to Mallow General Hospital. Fantastic service, no delays. Now it was a bit of a, a bit of a journey, a bit of a truck for, for Matt. But he said, absolutely thrilled, thrilled with the service. And we need to start using the smaller hospitals more like that. I mean, Matt's in Clonakilty, he would have been closer to Bantry Hospital to start doing some of the outpatients appointments. I know there's a really good endoscope suite in Mallow and I don't know if that was the what Matt's appointment might have been. And I know Nina General Hospital is another hospital where they're doing cataract appointments and they're being extremely successful there. And Nina General Hospital was on my radar a couple of years ago when the waiting list for the dental hospital in Cork got crazy. I mean, the waiting times was ridiculous. And obviously with my daughter being special needs, if she needs to get dental work done, like an extraction or a filling or anything like that, uh, bless her little heart, she wouldn't be able to sit in, she would, you know, wouldn't understand the concept of sitting in a chair and having normal extraction or filling done so she has to go to the dental hospital and she has to be put out for any of those uh, procedures and she needed treatment and the wait was we realised there was going to be a very long wait to get her into the dental hospital and I remember getting a phone call saying would you be willing to take your daughter to Dina and I said she has a toothache I'll take her to Mars to get rid of it and they said okay and they scheduled an appointment something similar to Matt's story for nine o'clock on a particular morning and I remember like we were up bright and early to make the journey from uh, North Cork to get to Nina on time and, and we did and it was a fantastic service and we weren't the only parents we met other parents on the day who had travelled as well and we got looked after so well because they knew we had travelled and while our little ones went off to have their procedures, I remember they had set up a little room and they tea and toast for us all. And it was really great. It was just such a fantastic service. But Nina General Hospital would be a small little hospital like Bantry, like Mallow General Hospital. And now Nina is has is one of the hospitals that's started doing cataract operations and they really are making inroads. They really are working through uh, the list 
and that's I think the way to go instead of it constantly being a bottleneck that we all get ferried up uh, to CUH or to the Mercy or to the hospitals in the city start moving some of the procedures that can be done start moving I accept we have to have centres of excellence and that we can't have you know leading cancer specialists at all of our small hospitals I understand all of that but for procedures that we know we can put a specialist in place it'll take pressure off the larger hospitals it's just it's like it's almost like it's not rocket science you know we can do it other countries do it why can't we do it and when we do it we do it really well and I don't know whether I shared with you that a couple of weeks ago I it was on a Sunday kind of got a bit of a funny pain and I wasn't too sure what was going on and I rang South Dock and I initially with my symptoms it was suggested by a nurse in South Dock in Tralee that I go straight to CUH and it was a Sunday and I said forget it I I am not going anywhere near and I have great respect for the wonderful people at CUH but I wasn't going up to an accident and emergency I just wouldn't have been able to have have organised the whole thing to go so I said no not, not doing that so I said is there any way I can go to Mallow General Hospital to the medical assessment unit because I'd looked it up and I knew what the medical assessment unit could do and couldn't do and I thought my symptoms kind of mm, made it look like that's something I'm sure that the medical assessment unit can check out for me. So they said, OK, go see the doctor in South Dock, which I did, outlined what was up, what was going on. She said, OK, go up to the assessment unit. I went to the assessment unit. I think I got in there at 12 o'clock. I was met by two nurses, popped up on a bed. They took, you know, the vital signs, checked my heart, all of that, took bloods, checked everything out, sent me for straight away for a chest X-ray, came back. Within a half an hour, there was a doctor by my bed. They were, He went through everything. He said, OK, we just need to wait on the results of the bloods that we've taken. They'll take about an hour and a half. He was back within the hour and a half. And I got the all clear. It was all fine, I think. And I got tea and toast before I left. I think all done and dusted in under three hours. I, w- I was home with the all clear. And I just, and, and I know people in Mallow have bemoaned the fact that the accident emergency was gone, replaced with this medical assessment unit in the injury uh, clinic. And I know they don't deal with children. But what they do, if you do fall under what they deal with, by God, it is a fantastic service. It is, and it's, it's this wonderful new building. It's spotlessly clean, and you would treat it with such utmost respect. And there was, an, it was a lady. I mean, you can't help but hear what's going on because it's just a curtain between you and the, there was an elderly lady in the bed next to me. But the kindness that was shown to that lady, and I don't know if she, like me, got the all clear and was able to go home as well, but brilliant, brilliant, brilliant service. And I know something similar uh, operates as well in Bantry General Hospital. So when it works, it really works, is the point I'm trying to make. 1850 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. FRS Network there in Canturk. They have full and part-time positions available on dairy farms in Canturk, in Mill Street, Mallow, Bottomant and the surrounding areas. Fleming's 4x4 there in Boherbui. They've got a vacancy for a part-time bookkeeper. They're also looking for an experienced full and part-time diesel mechanic and an apprentice or trainee mechanic. Apprentice electricians and qualified electricians also wanted 
and Supervalley and Bohoway, they've got a vacancy for a Delhi assistant. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now, there was a heartbreaking story on the front page of the Echo last week outlining the plight of a young Mallow teenager who has been hospitalised due to complications from using a power wheelchair that he simply outgrown. Liam Lynch's mother, Gronia, joins me from Cork University Hospital where Liam has been a patient now for almost a month. Good morning to you, Gronia. Morning, Patricia. Um, I'm very well. Do you know something? I don't know whether to be angry or to be upset by Liam's story. He has what you describe as a stage four pressure pressure sore. Just outline what's going on and how it all happened. Um, the Liam has this power chair for the last four years and as any child does, they grow and Liam outgrew his chair. Now his OT knew this, like she knew this was happening and she had put it in place and um, the costings for a new chair and then when she submitted it to the board for approval, it was rejected. So it was deemed that he wasn't urgent. So unless, um, when he developed one pressure sore, he went up the list. When he developed two pressure sores, he was he went further up the list again. And then when he was um, acute and in hospital, he got the chair. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. But it, it took him having to go through that to get the chair. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And he's been in hospital, it's nearly a month now, isn't it? And we'll be in for another month at least. And he's in operation due this week? We, <laughs> yes, I thought that was the case. But the surgeon came in this morning and they're going to postpone it from next week, possibly. And what, what, what does he need? He needs an operation on one of the, that very bad pressure sore, is it? Yeah, on the, so what they're going to do, they're going to do a graft. So they'll remove a piece of skin and push it over the pressure sore. And then what they'll do is they'll have a drain in the wound to drain any excess blood and fluid. That will take two weeks. And then after that, then it'll be a seating plan. So he'll start seating out on a chair and develop, and they'll increase that slowly over the days. So you can sit out in the chair fully after two weeks, hopefully. So he's been lying down for the last month? Yeah, can't get out of bed. To try and take pressure off the pressure sore? So they had to get this special mattress in. It's a Dolphin Solution mattress. So they brought that in about uh, three weeks ago. So even the cost of that alone is astronomical. And he's in an acute bed, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got to have the operation and all the costs associated with that. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at price, it costs about 10,000. It's costing about 1,000 euros a day to keep him here, and not including surgeries, chairs, beds, you know, all the other things that go with it. And we wonder why the HSE um, it wastes money. You see, what, what I can't understand from all of this, Gronia, and, and I think mm. a, a lot of listeners will feel the same way, when when a child like Liam needs a wheelchair, he doesn't outgrow it overnight. So, you know, you would know when he's starting to grow and needs a new wheelchair. Yeah. I, I would have thought that that's... I mean, it's not that they need, that they're buying thousands of these every week. There's only a limited number of children need need these chairs. I can't understand why they're just not available when you need them. Well, they're saying there's budget, 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 budget. 
But if you look at um, a child in Dublin will get a chair within three, week, three months of um, an application going in. It takes a child down here two years to get a chair. So it's yeah. a HSE South thing? Yes, I think it is. Like this, this, like they sent a statement saying that it's down to budget allocation. But they, they allocate the budget. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Who's allocating the budget? You do it yeah. yourself. So you yeah. allow for X amount of money in your annual budget for these chairs. Well, I mean, like, they have this, yeah, so reports. So they know how many children are in the area, how many children need wheelchairs, and what age they are. And so, you know, and also they have the OTs to come to these meetings and say, well, Liam is this chair for four years. He's a growing boy. Because he's not presenting with sense at the moment, like, if he does, his chair is growing, or he is growing, so he needs a new chair, but unless it's actually something physically wrong with you, I don't think you're going to get the chair. And okay, he got it four years ago. Was he? He's, is he fifteen? He's doing his junior studies. About fifteen? Is he fourteen? Fifteen? Fifteen. So he got it when what he was eleven. Yeah. So an eleven-year-old and a fifteen-year-old, very different size-wise. Very different. Very different. Doesn't just I I just I can't fathom it. It just doesn't make any sense. But by the way, I should have asked you this at the start. How and why it, it, did did Liam end up in a wheelchair? Oh, um, he was um, diagnosed with a, a, an astrocytoma tumor in his spine when he was ten, and um, and then he lost the feeling in his waist from the waist down, um, and also developed scoliosis. So he was in a double whammy, really. So. Less and and that wheelchair is his independence. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I mean it's, it's the best thing that happened to him. Well, I'm sorry, not. <laughs> <laughs> the wheelchair is his independence. Yeah, yeah. like he's very independent and he's very able with in the in the chair. Um, what is that? And what school is he going to? He's going to Clashover and Bosman. And he and he missed his junior cert. The marks were last week, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, he missed them, yeah. Has he the school books with him in the hospital? No, he's got yeah. the PlayStation sitting <laughs> in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, God, leave him alone. I don't, I don't know if he's pushing the books at him either, but, but he's missed his marks. It, it's yeah. uh, Actually, it's midterm this week, so he would be he normally would be out with his friends, I'm, I'm, yeah. would he? Yeah, yeah, so he's missing all of that. And then he's also, he's quite a sportsman in that he plays power soccer. Yeah, and he actually was Edmund Thank you because of we are now play for Ireland in May and did he get selected yeah he's one of the one of the eight or the ten to go to Helsinki but because of um, what's happened here now he had to forego his place ah. Ah, there's always an extra. There's always an extra. So, but but okay, he's after getting the chair now or the chair will be available when he's finished is it in, in the hospital well, when he comes out of hospital now, there's another process to go through because it has to be specially moulded for him. Okay. So that could take another three, two, three months for that to happen. So um, a, a very kind lady has donated us a chair until his own is ready for him. Okay. And what? How how are his spirits? How is he? How is he doing? Oh, you know, Patricia, he's up and down. I mean, for the most part, he's okay. But like when you get you know, news that you're not going to have your surgery tomorrow. I mean, it just prolongs your visit or our term, our time here, or you know, the week. And like you said, we're here a month already. You know. And you're staying. You stay up there for. Are you there twenty four seven? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, he needs he needs he needs his mother. And are they looking after you? Has he been looked after well in CUH? Are they doing the best oh, they can? Oh my goodness, they're fantastic. I couldn't fault them. They're so nice and they're so good. Yeah, definitely. It's just the boredom of it all. Yeah, but you see, I, I, at least I can get out and go down for a cup of coffee. Like Liam is stuck here. <laughs> I know, I know. Is he in pain? No, thankfully there's no pain um, because it's paralyzed from the waist down so it doesn't okay. feel the pain of the pressure sore. And is the pressure sore ugly? Is it really bad? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, and, you know, and you associate pressure sores, calling uh, you with older people. You wouldn't, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't wish them on an older person. But you associate it on somebody who's confined to bed. You don't associate it with a fifteen-year-old kid. But I think, well, um, Liam has had pressure sores in the past, but they've always, always been managed within the community. But because it's a lateral sore, a lateral pressure sore caused by the chair, it, it just progressed really fast. So and, and 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 became acute. So that's why we're here now. Okay. All right. But the, he 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 now has the chair. But the lens you've had to go to to get to it is just is shocking. Will this chair? Will you be back here again in four years' time? Because I mean, he's still growing at fifteen. Well, that's what. If nothing else happens, but this doesn't happen to another child, that there will be processes put in place that will prevent this from happening again. Because it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, well done for going public and, and. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Highlighting it and, and hopefully the powers that be we'll take note and we'll make sure that this never happens to any other child and certainly never happens to, to your family and to, and to Liam again. Listen, pass on our best wishes uh, to Liam. I hope that operation goes well next week. We might touch base oh. with you again just to be sure he's OK. Yeah, um, but in the meantime, Gráinne, thanks a million for talking to us. No problem at all. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Gráinne Lynch from the Cork University Hospital where my, my, the bedside of her son Liam isn't that shocking just to, it's to, to think that a kid had to go to that length 
that the pressure sore would get that bad. And I mean, anyone listening who has looked after an older person will know how pressure sores develop and you do everything that you possibly can to make sure that the pressure sore doesn't get worse and very bad pressure sores. Oh my God, they can be hideous. I mean, I to me, the one pressure sore I will always, always remember was on a visit to Belarus when I was travelling with the Chernobyl Children's Project and we went into an orphanage and we went in to see this little guy, a little boy inside in one of the cots and he, his pressure sore was so bad that the hip bone was coming out through the skin and and the smell of rotting flesh and it was just, and I remember at the time thinking, oh my God, is that what a, I, I'd never seen a pressure sore, I didn't know what pressure sores were and I've since then heard about, you know, older people developing pressure sores and families doing the, the best that they can for them to, to stop getting them but to hear of a young lad here, you know, in 2019, one of our own developing a pressure sore because his wheelchair has gone too small for him. And it's not that the HSE didn't know that his wheelchair has gone too small. His mum, you know, listening to her, she's been fighting her corner for that little boy since he became unwell and, and developed that tumour when he, when he was 10. She's been fighting his corner. His OT has been fighting his corner. And all they were getting back was, oh, sorry, we don't have the funding and we have to prioritise and, and whatever. If he wasn't top of a priority list way, he should have been top of a priority list way before he ever started developing pressure sores. And to think he had to wait until the pressure sore gets to the stage where he's now in an acute bed in CUH where he needs to have surgery. It's shameful. It is utterly shameful. And whoever makes those decisions, whatever pen pushers makes those decisions, that that little lad had to wait for his, uh, his wheelchair. Shame on them. They should be dragged in in to see him and made to look at his pressure sore and apologise to him and say, you know, you're the reason why that child is in that bed. It's shocking. Shocking. Now, in recent months, plans to plans to renovate an iconic building in Clonakilty and turn it into a performance centre and theatre has gathered momentum. Joining me with more on what sounds like a very exciting project for Clonakilty is local councillor Christopher O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Christopher. Morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm, I'm very well and you're welcome. Now, the building is the old Linen Hall. Tell me a bit about the building and its current condition. Yeah, so uh, I'm not much of a historian, Patricia, but I'll do my <laughs> best to I'll do my best to dive into the to the history and, and the um, I suppose iconicism of the building. As you know, it's a very iconic building. The location there is um you're very familiar with Clannacilty and I'm delighted to hear that you were there during the weekend. I was indeed. Um so as you're coming along the bypass in Clannacilty, so if you're heading from um, west to east, so from uh, the Skibreen direction towards Domanway and along the bypass, you see the uh, very iconic feature, the wheel pump. And just next to the wheel pump on the corner, you have the old linen hall, which I suppose uh, my generation and those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s would have known it as Hooland's Bakery. Very, very popular family, the Hooland's, yeah. who had a bakery there. And, um, you know, the, the, that bread went countywide. It was very, very popular. But prior to that, and I think something that I've learned um, while delving into the, the, the prospect of this project is it was an old linen hall as it, as it rightly says at the front of the building um, apparently built in 1817 but um, the incredible thing about that is is the amount of weavers that actually operated in the linen hall there were 600 weavers uh, back in the heyday My um, God. making it apparently one of the um, biggest um, linen halls in Munster in fact the 
the biggest linen hall in Munster at one time. And the beauty about this and the whole proposal of, of making this a, an artistic hub or a, a performance centre is that it almost brings the story full circle because, believe it or not, you know, Clannock Kilty now was known as a bit of a cosmopolitan town, but back in um, the 19th century and when this building was built in 1817, um, it was incredibly cosmopolitan because you had people involved in the linen trade, in the linen trade coming from all over the world, different continents, uh, different uh, races, religions, you name it, and they were here in Clannock Kilty. Uh, using this as a hub for for linen trade, so it kind of brings the whole story full circle, and it really, I suppose, it's that type of history that's getting the artistic juices uh, flowing in terms of trying to get this project up off the ground. So it's an old building. What's its current condition? The current condition uh, isn't good. Um, yeah. we, there's no point um, trying to avoid the, that. So I originally brought this idea to the CEO Tim Lucy uh, back in September, um, and. Uh, after that, then we went to our divisional manager, Claude Heenan, in October, after which the uh, council staff did go in, and they did, in fairness, they followed up my query, and they inquired as to the current state and the asset price. Uh, the current condition um, isn't great, uh, to, be, uh, to be honest. Um, apparently, there is a, a small bit of an asbestos issue, which, as we know, isn't um, cheap to try and get rid of. But also, at that point, uh, I suppose the deterrent for the council was the asking price. There was an asking price upwards of close to half a million. But I'm delighted to hear recently, and I was contacted by the, the, the auctioneer who has now taken over the, the, the um, portfolio of ours, that has uh, come down to under 400,000. It's, it's uh, I think, around 390,000. Still, it's not, <laughs> it's not exactly... It's still expensive, the ocean, yeah. It's certainly, I would hope that it would certainly be more, more enticing now for the, for the council to go ahead and and purchase it, you know. But uh, and, and I know a group of interested people. You, I mean, you're you're one, but there's, there's a group have come together. Just what would be the dream for this building if if you had the blank checkbook today? What would be the dream if we had the blank check? So, as you know, you're very familiar with Clannacilty, as we just alluded to a while ago. Clannacilty is full of talent, be it artistic, musical. We have some of the most famous musical venues in Ireland, be it the Barras or Shanley's here in town. Um, we have performers. We had. I'm not sure if you remember uh, Patricia Krakna Krielta. I do. God, a, a I touring, do. A, a touring performance group who went all around the world. They went to parades in New York and Boston, Galway, uh, Dublin, and they were very much in demand. And the, what they were able to create um, during our parades here in Clannacilty was absolutely incredible. Um, but they had a premises, they had a place, a, a, a specified location to do that. And now that premise is no longer there. Krakna Krielta are no longer there. But I suppose the spirit of Crack and Creel are still there. There's a, a new group now called Geta Arts who are, who, are, who are putting on incredible shows during Halloween and during the summer. And that spirit of creativity and performance is definitely coming back. So what we need is, and what Clan and Kilty, Clan and Kilty is a great town and you know anyone from Clan will, they won't be short in telling you that, but what we are very much short of is a performance space, a creative space, a hub for artists, performers, and not just that, a community space. Um, you know, for things like men's shed and for, for, for children's workshops. And this, this building is quite big. It's, it's, it's almost 9,000 square foot. So there is potential to accommodate that. And I think it's, it's one of the, the missing links in terms of trying to create some type of economic growth and social growth and, and um, artistic growth in the town. So and it, it, is the the, it is the one thing that has always been missing in Clan, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, we've we've had a talent. We've always had it. I often say that if you threw a, a, a fishing net over Clannacilty, the amount of artistic talent that you get is incredible. But that performance space, that theatre, yeah. is the missing thing. And we do have, and I and I want to mention the incredible Ross Moore Theatre, um, who 
you know, considering the size of the village of Rossmore, which is quite close to Clannacilty, that is an incredible theatre. But I think what we can create here can, I suppose, augment and, and, and um, even complement that. Absolutely. It's, just, Absolutely. it's just trying to, I suppose, sell the vision out to Cork County Council. I think the purchase would be um, just what would kickstart it. And I, I really do feel that because of the, the interest that has been, I suppose, generated since we mentioned this, um, I really do feel that, that that the funding will come, and I know that because it, when, but it's funny when I was when I was thinking about this o- over the weekend, and then I was thinking about the interview I was going to be doing with the county mayor in relation to the uh, rural regeneration fund. Surely that's an obvious place to go for funding for it. Well, there it? you go. First of all, I'm absolutely disgusted and incredibly annoyed by how how Cork County has been overlooked in terms of the rural regeneration fund, sixty two million, and and you know we we. we hardly got a cent, you know, just dropping the uh, drop in the ocean in terms of what we were allocated. But, you know, I, I think this is where West Cork, I suppose, sets itself apart, I would say, from um, the rest of, of Ireland. Um, I read a very interesting article just as recently as this morning about how West Cork pretty much almost booked the trend um, during the recession. In towns like Clannacilty and West Carberry, we only had a, um, a 10% unemployment rate, while other areas of the think of like Donegal, etc., had 17-18% unemployment rate. And they put it down to this kind of um, spirit of um, artistic uh, businesses, food business, small arts and businesses. So essentially, we, we've we never been able to rely on handouts from the government uh, like we would have been here in terms of the regeneration, uh, rural regeneration fund. So we've had to go do it ourselves. And I think this project, the one that I'm talking about here in terms of uh, a theatre performance space in Clannacilty with the Old Inn Hall, this is exactly the type of project that the people um, of West Cork and Clannacilty will get behind, be it through funding or be it through uh, coming together to, to put together ideas for it. So I think this is a perfect example. So, look, it doesn't surprise me that we, we were uh, left short in the allocation. We always do seem to be left short, left short be it roads allocations or allocations like this. So, it's frustrating. Um, and I spent time over the weekend going through the ones that did, you know, you know, the uh, County Clare, Kildare, and it's just you thinking, you know, what if they got that we don't have? We, you know, that we we we're, we're as if not more deserving, you know. Yeah. And I know those you projects know. are deserving of them as well, but it's it's just it's frustrating when you see how little okay. we're like getting the crumbs of the table. And clearly we have the ideas. I mean, yeah. there was a, a 37 million, I think, worth of projects that Kirk County Council for, 48. We had the highest number exactly. of projects submitted. So maybe, maybe we have to knuckle down and kind of focus on projects like the one I'm talking about here and yeah. tease it out more. Now, you know, I don't expect, for example, Kirk County Council just to write a blank cheque with just a whimsical notion or, or, or an aspiration. You know, this working group that I'm working with who have uh, volunteer, voluntary professional architects uh, voluntary professional um, theatre performers, we are putting together a very high-end proposal so that we can go to the county manager and say, listen, we've thought this out, this is sustainable, this can sustain itself and it could be an asset. So I think in terms of when we're going on to apply for future funding then from from uh, from state, you know, it's those type of solid proposals that um, that will get it over the line. And what, what a setting point going forward for, for the tourism sector. To Absolutely. have something uh, like that, it would and, just be incredible. And, and, and the beauty of it is its location. It's located right across from DC's car park, which is the biggest car park we have in town. So it all really, it adds in, it complements the restaurants and businesses that already exist here in the town. Um, and it just, it, it would be another kind of, uh, I suppose, a feather in the cap for Clannacilty if we were able to get something like this over the line. But it's exciting. And, you know, there's great cooperation here. I must mention Councillor Paul Hayes, who had a, a motion in um, only two weeks ago trying again to, 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 I suppose, reinvigorate the campaign to get it going. So I, I think there's that tells you the kind of spirit of cooperation that we have here 
uh, within the town that we're all working towards the same same yeah, goal. Keep at it, everybody, everybody singing off the same hymn sheet. They eventually listen, Christopher. Listen, before we let you go, um, the Greenway Trail from the Technology Park yes. into Clon. Good news on the Greenway Trail. I just checked back on my notes and I was on your show in 2013, Patricia, <laughs> at, uh, when I first proposed the Greenway Trail between Clon and Kilty. Was that 2013 when you first proposed it? Yeah, it's a six, been a long six Whoa. year. <laughs> Six year ways, but uh, if we're getting there, if you, as you maybe even would have noticed as you were passing back uh, east from Clannacilty on the left hand side where the lake is, you can see the construction is going okay, yeah. on at the moment. It's quite advanced. Uh, we're looking at, the, at an early May um, opening date or, or, or completion date, which is absolutely fantastic. And it's not, it's, it's, it's going to be, um, I suppose, something recreational for people to do within the town. But the important thing is we have almost a thousand employees working out in the tech park. I know they will have safe pedestrian or cycling brilliant. access in that's brilliant. Town. So really good. That's, that's really good news I'm delighted that that's seen uh, that that's finally come Okay let's, let's end on that positive note thank you for that Christopher Thank and thanks thank for joining us uh, good morning to you that is uh, West Cork Councillor Christopher O'Sullivan You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed and thank you to a huge number of people who, including Nicola sent us a private message on our Facebook page about the cream that we did a shout out for earlier on. It was a listener contacted us at the start of the programme this morning looking to buy Eve Rocher Regenerating Cream, which is in a brown pot. They've stopped trading in Ireland and it's not available on their UK site. And she was wondering, did any store have it in stock you know the amount of old stock in store so we did the shout out to see if there's any chemist or had anybody been in a department store lately and had you seen this Eve Roche regenerating cream and nobody came forward to say yes it's available in XYZ but lots and lots and lots of you came forward to say it is available online not through their store not through the, the UK site but it's available on Amazon .co.uk and lots and lots of people have sent me on links to say it's available on Amazon so thank you to the people who went to great effort uh, there I always love uh, listeners when they're trying to help out other people so hopefully that will be of help to the listener who contacted us because she had initially tried the UK site so she is willing to go online even though we would have preferred if we could have sourced it locally because we like to shop locally but sometimes you just can't shop locally because you can't get the item like what's happening here so amazon.co.uk and they should be able to sort it out for you and then Anne in Glanworth was on to say can anybody tell her please when you go to the bottle bank to do your recycling for cans and bottles are you allowed to put aluminium cans into the bottle bank now she says normally yes there is a separate bank for the cans but if that bank is full or where you go to do your recycling there's only recycling facilities for glass are you allowed to put cans into the bottle bank Anne says that she thinks she remembers somebody telling her that it is okay because then they they separate it when they take it back to the plant where the bottles are sorted out they separate the cans but she doesn't want to do it until she knows for sure for sure for sure that you are allowed to do it I've never heard of it, to be honest, because I know at the bottle banks, you're in, you've got to separate all the different coloured bottles. Now, cans, I accept, would be different, but I don't know. I, I, I simply don't know the answer. I certainly have never heard of it being allowed. I've certainly never done an interview where we've been told it is OK, but we'll call it out because that's not to say 
that it isn't the case. So does anybody know when you go to your bottle bank, if there isn't a can bank or if the can bank is full, which can often happen, the can bank will fill up because there's usually just one can bank and there might be three different bottle banks for the different colours. So the can bank will fill quicker. And, you know, back in the day when I didn't have curbside collection, I used to have to get, frust- I used to frustrate the life out of me when I'd have to bring the cans back with me because you never left, you didn't leave them in a box or in a plastic bag beside the can bank. You had to bring it back and wait and go down again on, until it was empty. But I certainly was never under the illusion that you could put it into the bottle bank. But let's get, get put it out there to see if anybody knows, if you can definitively tell us if it is okay, if it is the case that you are allowed, if there isn't a can bank or the can bank is, is full, are you allowed to mix them in with the bottle bank? 1850-333-103, if anybody can help us there. Um, number of people on to us about poor Gronya Lynch talking about her son, Liam, and this stage four pressure sore. That's the reason he's in hospital, because the pressure sore has got so bad and got so bad so quickly because of the type of pressure, pressure sore which was brought on because his wheelchair has gone too small and he was forced to stay in this wheelchair even though they had informed the HSC that he needed a new wheelchair his OT had informed the HSC that he needed a new wheelchair but the HSC kept saying sorry we don't have the funds people absolutely shocked uh, by that uh, story and somebody makes the point a wheelchair is a problem to fund yet this is the same organisation when they need to investigate the overrun in the National Children's Hospital they have no problem at all in blowing another half a million just to do the investigation into how the National Children's Hospital over, overrun with, overrun by uh, close on a billion. Yeah, well, well spotted and, and a good uh, a good text because you think, hmm, how many wheelchairs? Could have, could have bought a lot of wheelchairs for Liam and other kids with that half a million that's going to be used to find out why the National Children's Hospital why it is overrun by so much. I know they'll say it's in the hope that we will learn uh, lessons. And another listener, um, you know, shocked by the story as well and uh, says, you know, they should have gone out and fundraised for a chair for their son. I work as a carer and fundraising is a regular occurrence, especially for things like electric wheelchairs. Um, maybe that shouldn't have to happen, but unfortunately that's Ireland uh, for you. Yeah, but it shouldn't have to happen and no family should be forced into a situation like that. You know, they're battling enough and they have enough to be doing in looking after uh, their son. They don't need to have to go. It's it just, it shouldn't happen. This whole thing, we shouldn't even be talking about it. That kid should have got his wheelchair. And yet when he gets to the stage that he's at, and he's now now costing the health service even more, suddenly the money becomes available. And oh, gee, yeah, there's the money. You can have your wheelchair now. But look at the length, the length they had to go to and that woman and Gronia had to go public in order to highlight Liam's case, which is something else she shouldn't have had to have done, but she did. OK, what else is coming in? Thank you for your WhatsApp, by the way, to 0862103103. We were talking about car insurance earlier on. Giving the government control of car insurance, says the listener. I don't think so. They can't manage what they have already. They're not able to look after that. Please don't give them car insurance to look after as well. And let me stay on keeping our roads safer, by the way, because that's where this whole debate about should our car insurance be coming down because... We have stricter laws in place. We have more enforcement in place. We're told it's all to do make our making our roads safer. If our roads are safer, should the knock on should be we should be paying less on our car insurance. 
Here's another way that our roads are going to be safer. A story making the Irish Times uh, today. Mobile devices which allow Gardaí to check driver's details at the side of the road are to be made available to the to 2,000 members of the force by the end of this year. They're called mobile data stations and they'll allow Gardaí to check certain details about a car, about the driver, just by simply putting in the registration number of the car and putting in the driver's identity. Literally at the side of the road, Gardaí will then uh, be able to immediately tell if the vehicle is stolen. They'll be able to tell if the driver is disqualified. They'll be able to tell if the driver is uninsured and they'll also be able to tell if the driver is unlicensed. Currently, what they have to do if they pull in a car and they're in any way suspicious, they have to take their phone out and they have to ring the station and then somebody at the station has to take the information from them. Then somebody in the guard of the station has taken the information has to put it onto the pulse system and then relay that information back to the guard there who has rang them on the mobile phone from the side of the road. But instead, they'll have this new technology, this mobile data station. The technology has the potential to radically change the way the policing will be carried out into the future. Now, a version of the technology in the form, fully enough, of a mobile phone app has been successfully piloted in Limerick for the last year. And it's now the intention of a Garda Corner to roll the technology out to all frontline Gardaí. They're expecting to do it to everybody over the next uh, four years, but they hope to have 2,000 of the members by the having by the end of this year. And what does it do? It brings Ireland in line with many other European countries who use similar technology. Road safety campaigners are saying it'll make it significantly easier in particular to catch disqualified drivers but it's also going to make it easier to catch unaccompanied drivers and they're saying that's going to save lives because what they've noticed now is with the unaccompanied drivers the a number of the learner drivers are taking down the L plates because they don't want to draw attention to the fact that they're driving unaccompanied so if the Gardaí have this mobile data station as soon as they stop a car they'll be able to check straight away whether the person is unaccompanied, is a learner driver who's driving unaccompanied. But to me, the big one is to catch the disqualified drivers. And actually, this story that was in The Times talking about that and talking about this mobile data station was also quoting from a mum who was talking about her son who was killed by a driver who was disqualified three times. Imagine that. Somebody was off the, was, had three times been before the courts and three times disqualified and that person got behind the wheel of a car and her son died because of an accident involving that guy. My God. Uh, so she, that mother obviously very much welcoming that type of technology and, and saying like it won't, it's not going to save her son Carol who died uh, last August but she would hope that it will it will help so many others, other people out there and, and she would hope that no family would have to go through what they're currently going through and she feels that it will save lives. So we'll keep a close eye for when that comes in, mobile data stations. 1850 I can see some questions coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming in please because Annalise will join us in the... 
uh, the latter uh, half of um, uh, this hour. Uh, she'll answer all of your nutritional questions. And Mary says, uh, Patricia, I wholeheartedly agree with you with the points you made earlier about the medical assessment unit at Mallow General Hospital. I, like you, attended it before Christmas and boy, what a service. It reminded me of the ad on TV for the VHI. I actually felt like a private patient while I was there, says Mary. Karen, the nurse who cared for me, Denise, who put the nebulizer on me, Tony, the lovely man who took me for my x-ray, uh, took me for my x-ray. And yes, like you said, it's a lovely modern building, everything pristine, clean, not forgetting the lovely lady who brought me tea and toast. And Mary says, what is it about tea and toast in hospital? Yeah, just, no tea and toast ever tastes as good as the tea and toast you get on a little tray in the hospital. I agree with you, Mary. Real comfort food when you're feeling vulnerable. What a service. Well done, uh, Mary. Backing me up with my points about uh, the medical assessment unit in Mallow where I had to attend a couple of weeks ago. 1850-333-103. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The cardiac support group in North Cork are hosting a presentation by Shane Simcock Rehabilitation entitled Gym Exercise for Heart Health. It's on tonight 8 o'clock in the Mallow Daycare Centre. All are welcome. A support group for families of people living with dementia will be held in the daycare centre of St Luke's Home in Maham. It's usually on the third Monday of every month from 7pm to 8.30pm but this month it's on tonight. It's free to attend with helpful advice from a specialist dementia advisor for people living with dementia. The Blood Transfusion Board will hold donor clinics in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen uh, five until half past eight and on Tuesday the 19th and Wednesday the 20th three to five and again between seven and nine and the AGM of Kildallery Community Development which was scheduled for tomorrow night has been cancelled due to bereavement in the community and goes ahead instead on Thursday the 21st of uh, February and actually staying with uh, Kildallery saying the, a, a special homemade tea and jam and gardume produce sale will be held in Kildallery Parish Hall on Saturday Saturday the 2nd of March it is a fundraiser in aid of St Joseph's Foundation and it's an annual event held in Kildallery Parish Hall donations of cakes and bric-a-brac would be appreciated with the nurses and paramedics all forced out onto the picket lines in recent days and weeks fighting for better working conditions one local mother contacted us to highlight how the health service came to her and to her family in their time of uh, need and uh, Jill joins me to share her story. Uh, good afternoon to you, Jill. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, you, you're welcome. Now, it was a frightening situation involving your little girl. Just tell us what happened. Yeah, she was, um, we were just having dinner on, last week and um, she was a bit cranky, nothing unusual when they're teething. And um, we sort of said, you know, we'll just give her her bottle early, let her go to bed early. So we heated the bottle, she was drinking the bottle back and she just went into kind of a seizure in absence, you know, when their eyes just blaze over. Yeah. And um, it gave us an awful fright, you know, we didn't know what was happening because your mind starts racing, is she after choking on something? Has she been poisoned? You know, you don't know what's happening at it the is, time. It so. is the scariest thing to witness. Yeah, you know, so she starts, her eyes start rolling back in her head and she was kind of foaming at the mouth and starting to jerk a bit, so... We were thinking, you know, you're in the moment, you're like, well, do we ring South Dock? Do we ring the ambulance? You know, what do we do? So we decided to ring an ambulance because, um, you know, we kind of thought if we have to put her into a car and the, the problems with that. So um, we rang the ambulance and um, we spoke to the dispatcher. 
So um, he went through everything with us. You know, he was very calm, you know, asking straightforward questions and told us what to do. And, and w- the first thing he did ask us, which is a great recommendation, is to make sure you use your air code to hand. You know, sometimes in the moment you can't remember it. So yeah. have it by the front door or by your phone or somewhere like that. And did so, you have your air code out of interest? I did. I have it in the drawer, but I know it off the top of my head. Well done. Well, well done. Well done. But in, in, in the moment of panic, you kind of think, did I just give him my PPS number? I know. I know. I know. And, and and you're facing something that has never happened before. Yes, so you're all yes. in a bit of a blind panic. So the first, you yes. do need somebody calm. And that's, it sounds like exactly what you got. Yeah. So the first person we dealt with was the dispatcher. And we kind of thought, right, this guy, he knows what he's doing. He's talking to us. He kept us calm. And while, like, we kind of shared holding my daughter he said just keep her in your arms keep an eye on her keep watch her colour is she coming back you know waking up or anything like that and he kept us reassured the ambulance is you know 10 minutes away 5 minutes away that kind of thing so um, the ambulance um, turned up we live quite rurally just outside Bandon so um, the ambulance came and they were extremely calm and very professional you know so we were bringing our daughter out and she started kind of coming to a small bit with the cold air outside because what had happened was she she had spiked the temperature. She'd gone up to thirty nine nine, wow. and she had then had a seizure because of it. Yeah, that was so, the cause of it. But of course, at this stage, you it. you didn't know what was going on. No, because we were thinking, oh, she's just teething. She'd no other symptoms, you know. So I think I didn't think teething could cause such a high temperature, and it may not have. It could still have been a fever because um, or a virus. There's so many viruses going around at the moment. So, but the ambulance crew, you know, settled her down, and they gave her calcol and sorted her out and had her all hooked up to ours. It's, it's terrifying actually when you see all the little, she's so tiny on the bed, you know, she's I know. two months. <laughs> so um, they sorted her out and they settled her down. But they were just so nice and calm and I think just looking at them working and the fact that they were so calm allowed us to sort of step back and think, think right, this is all under control, you know. Yeah, take take a breather here. But she had to go to hospital. She did. You know, they they kind of we we could realise that the fibrosis seizure was caused by the temperature, but we didn't know what caused the temperature. Mm. So we said we better bring her in and get her checked out. So, um, they brought us up to CUH and um, they signed us over. So in some ways, when she was settled, she was sleeping in the ambulance and she was relaxed and everything like that. And I was asking the paramedic what time did they clock off us, and he said eight o'clock. So by the time they actually handed us over in the hospital, and he wished us well, it was half eight. And they had to head off and, you know, refuel their ambulance and park it up and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, you kind of feel sorry for them. I was having this kind of guilt. Did we need to call an ambulance? You know, the kind of... I know. Oh. here ourselves, you know. No, so, you, um, did, you, did, you definitely did the right thing. You definitely did the yeah. right thing. So then you were... So now you're up in CUH and it's, it's eight o'clock in the evening. Yeah, and there was a shift changeover. So um, there just seemed to... It, it's just like manic, I suppose, up there. that's just constantly busy. So we were brought into the paediatric area. And um, one nurse attended to us then, and then we were, you know, waiting in the waiting room. So um, my daughter at this stage was, she was cooling down, you know, they, she'd, they'd given her more um, um, par- paracetamol, and she was starting to, you know, she was still very cranky and lethargic, and she was getting sick, so she was probably very uncomfortable for a baby, but there was loads of other parents there in the same situation. You know, the weather's very mild. I think there's loads of viruses going around. Yeah, so. everyone is saying that. Yeah, so um, we were just observing over the night. We were there probably six hours all in all, but we were just observing the nurses and how busy they were. And it just kind of reminded me of the previous strike they'd had and, you know, how, you know, they're trying to bat off questions of how long am I going to wait and, you know, people hanging around and wanting to do what they want to do, you know, instead of being out in the waiting room, they want to be in the paediatric area because they're waiting on news. You know, people are anxious, but they're sort of in the way as well. (laughs) You know, so 
I feel sorry for the nurses. They're very busy. And I take it everybody's harassing them with the same questions. Yeah, because, I mean, I suppose everyone thinks they're the most important and, or their child is more important or their their parents is more important. And they want to know and they want to be seen too quickly. And um, I suppose that's all I could hear was how long more have we to wait, how long more have we to wait. Oh, no. I'd say that's the biggest question the nurses feel every day, you know. Is how and that's, long, how long, how long. that's how long is a piece of string. They have no way of telling you. No, and like in fairness, they were very good. They were very calm and they kept coming in at one stage and said, now we've two doctors on on shift and, you know, we should be getting through patients quicker and, you know, I thought all in all we were dealt with very care, you know, with great care because from the dispatcher to the two paramedics, then to the hospital, we had two nurses over the night, then we had a doctor. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't account for any of the cleaners or any of the people who order all the medical equipment or, you know, and all this is for free for us, you know. So I just well, thought paid pay, Paid for through your taxes, but yeah, I know the point you're making. You didn't have to pay anything yeah, additional. And and, ha- and and was it was it busy? Was the hospital very busy that night? It's now, yeah. in fairness, I've never been in an A and E before. I'm, I'm lucky that way, but um, it seems to be just busy. There seems to be people everywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, we clocked out probably about half two in the morning. We're the last people out of the pediatric area. Delighted. So I don't know whether that's average or you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just delighted to get home. And yeah. the others were, were were children going home, or were they going on to wards, or did you notice? They were going home. I oh, think the, the, this, the weather is just so mild. I think the viruses love this kind of mild weather. So the children, like some of the first symptoms they're having is this spike in temperature. This seems to be the biggest thing. Mm. Now, unless they have any sort of um, diabetes or any other complications, you know, they would be admitted. But the rest of the children, yeah, were sent home with advice. Same as us. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Your, your little one literally was, it's, it was put down to teething, was it? It was put down to teething and or a virus. She was yeah. checked over by the doctor and they couldn't find any um, source of infection. She seemed well, so they were saying it could be either. So they just said to monitor. Now, once she's had a seizure, she can have more of them once her temperature rises. So it's something we just have to monitor with her. Yeah, and constantly keep an eye on not letting the temperature get too high. Uh, and easier said than done with a smallie, particularly when, they, when they're teething. And she'd be cutting back teeth at this stage at 22 months. She's, she's yeah. her big four back teeth. God so, help her. And we've her. noticed one of them coming up at the back. So the poor thing, yeah, she was. Ah, she's been ah. allergic since, but she's getting back on track. But you have now a greater, because you've never had to use this service before from the ambulance through to A&E greater sympathy now with the staff yeah you chill. do because you can listen to it on the radio and you can listen to them talk and you think God oh, you know it's awful and all that but it's only when you actually are right in contact with them that you really kind of think these people are amazing and I do think the government they do need to sit down and they do need to kind of look at this and think oh, these people should be nearly the highest paid people in our country no we can't have, afford to have paramedics leaving their jobs because they feel under you know um utilised and their their wages are poor and you know we can't have that nurses going on strike we need to kind of respect I think the HC need to respect their staff and sort of find out what they need and how they could better their work practices maybe yeah what what we can do to yeah. make their working day easier yes exactly because yeah. everyone will benefit exactly yeah yeah so I do think we need you know I know I think in certain countries um they schedule breaks for ambulance personnel so there's other ambulances to cover them but I think here we don't have enough ambulances and then they're you know they're overworked and it's not, it's not really fair I mean they've a very tough job to do mm. And we rely on them. We, and, it's, and it's only in that emergency that you realise the importance of the paramedic. And I was thrilled to hear you mention the air code because only a couple of weeks ago we had some first responders in and it was the one point the two boys, the two first responders said if they could get any other message out, it was this message yeah. about having your air code 
close by the phone. Somebody gave me a good tip once um, and, and, and I did it. I actually have my air code in my phone contact on my mobile phone. So I always have yeah. my air code available. Just have it somewhere because you, uh, you never knew that day getting up you were going to need your air code later on that day. No, and even another question that Dr. asked us was, do we know where the nearest defibrillator is? And of course, I was thinking, oh my God, she's only 22 months old and why would oh, I need no. a defibrillator? Yeah. But he sort of said, uh, you know, I suppose... And do you? Be if the ambulance got delayed or, or yeah, wayward, yeah. would we know? And I was trying to think of sports clubs in Bandon, where would there be one? But at the same time, I wouldn't be able to concretely know where it is. So and, and do you now know? I do. I think there's one in Bandon GAA. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so, well done. But there's something else for all of us to know. something you wouldn't think of, but definitely you need to know where your air code is. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and she's fine since? She is, thank God. She's eating again and she's back on track. So, um, yeah, I just, re- I, the reason I contacted was really just myself and my husband are very grateful to the, well done. the emergency well done. services and big respect. And, and, and mommy and daddy got over the shock of it all as well. We did, yeah, yeah. All right. Listen, I appreciate your, your email and thanks for sharing that with us, Jill. Thanks for, Thanks for that. Uh, bye bye. Good afternoon to you. 1850-333-103. Uh, John Paul taking your calls. We are looking for questions for Annalise, please, our nutritional therapist. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Nick Richards. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. I'm at the C103 GAA Awards and I've only got them pumped into Leonard. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Nick. Thank you. What is the attraction for you, GAA? Hurling or whether it's football? Outside my wife, it's the love of my life. My wife and family come first, GA come second. The best game you ever saw? Probably Cork and Clare in Turles. Clare had been had won the All-Ireland and Clare were going well. And Cork came out of um, came out of nowhere with a, with a good team and, and beat them, you know. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And we're off to the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic where we're joined by Annalise Drussell. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. Patricia. And you are welcome to the programme. Lots and lots of questions in, so let's get straight in. Pat says, Patricia, firstly, can I thank Alan Annalise for her advice last week on early rheumatoid arthritis supplements. Now, I'm going to move on with another question. What foods and drinks should I stop using uh, because of this early rheumatoid arthritis? I eat a good diet. I always make sure I include red berries, fruit and veg, uh, etc. And by the way, I emailed the government minister with a 23% uh, levy. I live in hope that it doesn't come in, says Pat. Thank you, Pat, for that. OK, so he's going to take the supplements, but should he be also looking at foods? Yeah, definitely. I mean, diet is actually a massive factor. I would say nearly even more important than taking supplements, Patricia. And what you want to do is follow an anti-inflammatory diet. And if you go online and Google an anti-inflammatory diet, you'll get lots of information The Mediterranean diet is another naturally anti-inflammatory diet. And basically, both of these diets are very low in foods that can promote inflammation, which are often animal-based foods. So you'll see very little red meat, um, certainly no processed meat whatsoever or processed foods, very little amounts of cheese, um, very little amounts of chicken and turkey, lots of fish, lots of vegetable proteins in the form of lentils and kidney beans, chickpeas, um, all of those kind of legumes, lots of nuts and seeds, whole grains, so basically everything brown and nothing white, and plenty fruit and vegetable. And the Mediterranean diet, Patricia, which is exactly that kind of a diet, and also includes, by the way, a glass of red wine every day. So um, that has consistently... We'll we'll go for that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Consistently in studies has shown to be uh, one of the most heart-healthy diets. Also, this 
people who follow that type of diet have far less um, asthma or allergies, incidence of allergies. So on the whole, it seems to be heart healthy, brain healthy, anti-inflammatory. And actually, there's, there's lots of delicious you know, foods that you can eat on it. So it's not like trying to cut out carbohydrates and follow a high fat diet. In actual fat, your diet can be very broad. It just is a focus on whole foods and very little animal produce. Okay, good luck with that, uh, Pat. Listener says, hi, Patricia, I've been on Eltheroxin for four years. It's a thyroid treatment. Now, I don't know, is that an overactive or or an underactive thyroid? Uh, Could Annalise advise, please? So, Eltheroxin is for underactive thyroid. And basically, your thyroid produces um, a thyroid hormone that's responsible for revving up our metabolism when we need to produce a lot of energy. It also helps us to control our temperature in our bodies because... When we burn glucose in our cells, a side product of that is heat. So if you start feeling cold, your, your thyroid will, will kick in to rev up your metabolism. So having a low thyroid would mean that you would feel cold quite a lot. You'd feel tired because your metabolism would be very slow. You wouldn't be able to produce enough energy. You'd find it very difficult to lose weight and find it easy to put on weight. You might notice that your hair is thinning. Everything will be sluggish. Your whole digestive system will be sluggish because basically you're not producing enough energy to fulfill your body's needs. So um, often if your thyroid is underactive, you'll be prescribed L-troxin, which is the thyroid hormone. Now that hormone comes in an inactive form and it has to be converted in your body's cells. It would be too dangerous to give you the active hormone in many cases. So um, part of the problem I often find, Patricia, is that when people are put on the thyroid hormone, they don't convert it efficiently to the active form because of various different deficiencies. So if you're one of those people who's been put on L-troxin and you feel no better, it's very likely that you're not converting. So taking um, a supplement like um, selenium would be the most important thing required for that conversion to the active hormone. So make sure you take a selenium supplement, but you can actually get nice, um, sophisticated thyroid supplements now that will have things in there like selenium with a little bit of iodine and some gum guggle, which is spelled gum, like chewing gum, and then guggle, G-U-G-G-A-L. And these are all great to help you, um, you know, use thyroid hormone efficiently within the cells. But you still continue to take the althroxin? You can still, yes, you still continue to take the altroxin. Now, generally, once you go on it, it's very hard to come off it, Patricia, because your own body will stop making thyroid hormone. So don't you're on it for life. You feel you're kind of on it for life. Now, for a lot of people, Patricia, I feel that the problem isn't with their thyroid at all. Um, I think the problem is often with iodine deficiency. So before you take any thyroid hormone, take a kelp supplement and see does that improve your symptoms, because it might be as simple as just getting the iodine into your diet. Um, Another reason your thyroid would be low functioning as well would be if you've been very stressed for a long period of time because as a protective mechanism, the body will then convert in the presence of high levels of stress hormone. The body converts the active thyroid hormone to an inactive one called reverse T3 and that can't do any job um, within the body and it's not even reversible. So you're basically producing hormone that's immediately converted to an inactive form. So that's more of an adrenal issue. So you need to kind of address the stress there. So I think always question before you put on a drug for life. Try a few other things first. Okay, Martin says, hi, Annalise. Um, Would Annalise suggest 
what, what is a body check up in her opinion? Is it an annual blood test? Is it a blood pressure test? Is it an ECG? Uh, what would Annalise suggest that you should have for a health examination? Oh, Patricia, if we'd endless money. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see everybody every year get a proper stool sample done to have a look and see what all the bacteria in the gut are, good and bad and indifferent, because um, as we are learning more and more now, they play such a role, not just in our physical health, our immune health, but mental health as well. But typically a health, a proper health scan would include your blood pressure, your cholesterol, iron, vitamin B12, your thyroid hormones, vitamin D levels. You might get an ECG to see how your heart is functioning. There is another test that I'd love to see done, which tests, the elasticity of your heart arteries and if they're not elastic it means there's a lot of cholesterol build up and a lot of plaque build up I think that's a great indicator it's not commonly included in most health checkups um, you know I think probably a, a good conversation to see what your symptoms are which never seems to be the case they just look at your bloods and if your bloods are fine they say you're healthy and no matter Off how you, you go. feel yeah. so I think a good conversation with somebody to see How's your digestion functioning? Are you having a healthy bowel movement every day? Mentally, how are you feeling? How are you coping with stress? I'd love to see that included. In that that would be in the ideal world. In the ideal okay, world. go back to thyroid. My thyroid antibodies are very high, says a listener. They're reading 98. The thyroid function is normal. What does that mean? So that does mean that it, potentially you could be at risk at, uh, of having a thyroid problem in the future. So a lot of the time... Um, that is why the thyroid will will become a problem. It's because your own immune system starts producing antibodies against it. Now, you may be asymptomatic, which means that you're not showing any of the symptoms of a low thyroid function, but it could get to the stage where you will, you know, eventually if the antibodies do enough damage to the thyroid gland. So I would suggest um, for this person, I think, start looking at something autoimmune-focused as opposed to thyroid-focused. Maybe take... Um, Fish oils are always great for immune balancing on the whole. And, you know, if you want to take the pressure off your thyroid, take a kelp supplement. It's a food-based seaweed supplement. Your body will get the minerals that it needs in a good balance rather than taking an iodine supplement. And that might take some pressure off the thyroid, but it may be that down the road you're still going to have to just go on the medication. Um, hi, um, I'm on Elthroxin for the last nine years, but my weight has remained the same. I'm wondering, could I have been misdiagnosed? Would vitamin B complex be good for me? Thanking you. Um, it's very possible, I suppose, but not likely because generally the doctor won't put you on that thyroid hormone unless they see your thyroid function in your blood test is problematic. Now, it could be that you're not converting the thyroid hormone. So back to the advice I was giving previously, if you're taking the drug but you feel no better, then you're possibly not converting it into the active form within the cells efficiently. So take, um, definitely selenium would be very important there, Patricia. Take a selenium supplement, but there are some nice thyroid supplements that would contain other things. Talk to your local health shop and they'll find a good one for you. Um, And there's lots of other reasons as well for inability to lose weight, um, you know, that can be involved. Stress is a massive factor. If you're if you're suffering high levels of stress, every instinct within your physical body is to keep holding on to as many calories and storing because it thinks you're going to be in trouble. So it's very hard to lose weight when you're and, stressed. And as you get older, it's oh, harder, isn't it? Don't talk to me. I'm trying to shift a weight that <laughs> I put on and I'm broken hearted. 
So definitely, as you get older, your metabolism slows so, down. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just have gets, to yeah, you have to keep much more of an eye on it because... Then you had to when you were younger. Yeah, I think don't let yourself go more than a couple of pounds too heavy and deal with it then, rather. Yeah, because don't. Dan wants to know, can blood pressure and cholesterol tablets, can that cause weight gain? Yes, in a, in a roundabout way, possibly. Not so much the cholesterol tablets, but the, the blood pressure can sometimes make you retain water and that definitely would help you would would mean that you'd be weighing a lot heavier. But that tends to be more water retention. Um, there are certain drugs that would, like steroids, can make you gain a lot of weight. That's a very commonly known one. Um, and there are other drugs, more obscure drugs, that would help you gain weight. But uh, to be honest with you, it's probably more, it's more just getting older, diet and lack of exercise. And even my own portion sizes, Patricia, I'd lost the run of myself we're used to getting bigger portions now. Yeah. If you look at the typical Sunday roast, they had a thing on the news there um, a couple of weeks ago, and the typical Sunday roast around the wartime was a couple of slices of meat, two roast potatoes, and, um, you know, kind of a half a cup size of carrots and peas, and that was it. And nowadays, it overflows the whole plate and is piled up on it. So our portion sizes have more than doubled since that time. Yeah, we all have to watch the portion size. Pat wants to know what would Annalise recommend for diarrhoea? Now I'm assuming that this is reoccurring diarrhoea. Yeah, so okay, a couple of things really. This is, I, I mean, a doctor would say you've got irritable bowel, but I think it can be down to a number of different reasons. Irritable bowel is caused by something. So it, it could be caused by a food intolerance. So you're eating a food that you're not necessarily allergic to but your body cannot tolerate. So a food intolerance test might be good to sort that out. If you had a food intolerance, you probably have had digestive symptoms for a very long period of time. I don't mean a couple of months. If you've only got diarrhea for a couple of months, it might be as a result of either taking certain medications or picking up a bug that has totally disordered the good and the bad bacteria in your gut. So a stool sample would be the ideal thing, Patricia, to get done but unfortunately they're not very comprehensive unless you pay for them privately so the first place to start off with is to take a probiotic now the Alflurex probiotic is one that's made here in Cork and that can be very good for irritable bowel diarrhea style uh, a lot of people get great relief from that so I would definitely try that one but there are other general broad spectrum probiotics that will get the good bacteria back in so that should be the first place to start. And if that's not getting you anywhere, then maybe you do need to look at insufficient digestion, food intolerances, or the possibility of having a parasite that might need a few herbs to get rid of it. Hannah is looking for a natural remedy for viral bronchitis. Okay, so bronchitis is inflammation in, of the bronchioles in the chest and is, is often as a result of um, a cough or a cold. Um, so... Typically, the best thing to do for the chest is to take something that will help dry up the mucus within the chest. So you're looking at kind of um, things like thyme, ivy, sage extract. Um, The Dr. Delish Clare Chest and Sinus brand is brilliant because it has lots of those herbs plus bayberry. And it also has some immune boosting herbs, which help your own immune system get on top of any bug that's causing the bronchitis. The other thing then would be maybe to take... um, a, a drink of carrageen that's great for helping get mucus out of the, the, the lungs if that's building up so you can buy the carrageen in a health shop and you can boil it up and then you can add in ginger honey lemon cloves to make it taste nice and take that as a kind of a, a concoction drink 
Um, the lung tea, Patricia, I've spoken about this before, I think, on the programme. Again, this is from Dr. Delish Clare. And there's herbs in that that are very good for um, the health of the lung tissue, which would be good for bronchitis. You're looking at um, eye bright, licorice, marshmallow, mullion is wonderful as well. They're so softening. Um, and of course, your ivy and your thyme again. Okay, lots of suggestions there. Hi, now I've never heard of this before. Hi, Patricia. Could you ask Annalise, is there anything I could take to help with cold agglutin disease? Have you heard of that? Haven't heard of that one, no, Patricia. No, I, I've I no. Can, I'll have a look and maybe I'll have something on it next week. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's A-G-G-L-U-T-I-N. I've never heard of it before. Anyway, okay, a 53-year-old woman crippled with pains. Not sure if it's muscles or bones. Neck, she has in her neck, her back and her hips. X-rays are just showing wear and tear. She has taken anti-inflammatories, but they're not really helping. Could Annalise give some recommendations, please? Okay, so um, I would say the that taking maybe magnesium would be a good place to start. Uh, magnesium will often help with muscle pain. If you're full of aches and pains all over your body and there is, you know, you're not worse than one joint than the other, it's more likely to be a muscular problem rather than a joint problem. So she could try that for um, a, a week or two and see if that helps. Now, you can get magnesium in various different forms, but you want it on something like either a magnesium citrate or a magnesium biglycinate. And if you go into the health shop and ask them and make sure that you tell them you want one that's well absorbed because otherwise it just acts as a laxative. So that would be a good place to start. And then for wear and tear arthritis, um, it's good to take things like glucosamine, MSM, chondroitin. These are the building blocks for the uh, collagen and the cartilage that are needed between your joints. Now, you're not going to get any immediate relief from pain from this. It's a long-term approach and really what you're doing is you're just making sure the body has what it needs to rebuild your joints and to prevent further wear and tear. And then natural anti-inflammatories. I'm a big fan of um, the Boswellia, which comes from frankincense. It's a very powerful anti-inflammatory. Also, turmeric is very good as well. Um, Hyaluronic acid as a supplement for joint pain can work really well because it helps with that little cushion between joints. So it might be a matter of trying a few different things, Patricia, to find the one that works. Finally find one that works. And work the cannabis for oil, lastly, would be a good one because that's great for aches and pains of any sort. Okay, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Mind of information. We'll chat next Thanks, Monday. Patricia. Thanks a million. That is Annalise Dressel and Annalise runs the Health Hub in Times Square in Balancholic. And apologies for the, I still see questions coming in. We make a note of all of the questions and we'll put them, we'll try our best to put them to Annalise next week. And we're going to stick with the format of Q&A there's just so many questions coming in for Annalise uh, week on uh, week our thanks to her okay that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing John Green is in for Nick Richards and here's way for you to win some money Free money Have your share of five grand with C103 Cash Tracks You could win when we play two songs together from the superstar of the day C103 Cash Tracks With Cavanaugh's the new name for Ford in Mallow for new and used car sales visit Cavanaugh's.com On the home of Cork's greatest hits C103 When you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.